interesting if we want to go off the rails a little bit. Like, so I read The Passenger last winter when it was fresh, and it was before he died. But it got me really excited because the two siblings in that book, their father built the bomb at Los Alamos. Oh, and, Oppenheimer and, or what? Is it just somebody? It wasn't Oppenheimer, but he worked with Oppenheimer. And so the name Oppenheimer got name-checked a bunch in that book mm-hmm. because it was all about math, science, and language. And, like, language as a virus and all the different things that Cormac McCarthy's, you know, obsessed with. You know, mathematics and music and, like, fundamental communication. Like, he he has this nonfiction essay that's quite famous where, you know, it... it speaks to the idea of um, language is a, a later adaptation and, you know, like our unconscious mind is is really the thing that knows things. Mm. And that's why we have to kind of like subvert language sometimes with these deep images from our unconscious because language is such a new adaptation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, but, like because I knew that movie was coming out, it's like, oh yeah, we should read Cormac McCarthy this summer, so that we can be in in sync with, you know, this big bomb movie. Did, you, right. did you guys watch Oppenheimer? Yeah, I, I no, watched. I did. I saw a double feature with Barbie. <laughs> Com- complete the ritual. It was on Kubrick's birthday too that I saw it. <laughs> whoa, whoa. But, wow, yeah. Which was perfect because so it's July 26, and you, I went to see Barbie first, and it opens with a 2001 right riff, yeah. but it's and it it's narr- yeah, yeah it does. and it's narrated oh, wow. by Helen Mirren, who's also born July 26. Oh, so cool! And was she like was in birthday. 2010, the year they made uh, yes, Contact. Yes, she was. She was as like a I think her character's name is like Kubich or something. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, among so many other things, he's the queen, and um, it just it felt like we we had kind of a charged summer. I don't know if it means anything, but there was definitely made a uh, big deal of those two movies coming out at the same time. Um, like that was even in the mainstream. Like that was people mm-hmm. making such a big deal. I, I I have no idea if they connected. Like I, I guess they did. Well. Sensibly, no, but like on the other hand, absolutely 100%. Like, that was like totally weirdly planned. Like, I, people say ritual too much, but it, it felt like something weird. Was so there I, a bloodletting? <laughs> well, so um, with the bomb, there was. Well, well, with the, I guess, but with the movie releases, was there? <laughs> um, it was a false ritual, you're right. Maybe, maybe it's, <laughs> it was connected to the submarine, and that was the, the, the first, oh, that yeah, was yeah. living, and then it came out, this was in the wake of it. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. It did explode sense. like a bomb, and it was kind of shaped like, you know, little boy. And then the, the blockbuster Titanic uh, connection, right? Um. Yeah. Wait. What's that? Well, just oh, the fact that oh, the James Titanic Cameron. itself is like such a massive thing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's a movie. Uh. Yeah. Um, they're saying that the bomb and Barbie correspond as far as 
being able to leave an imprint of human civilization at a particular moment in time. So like mm. the the extensive use of plastics and also like so that is in the fossil record and Barbie represents that and then the bomb itself is you know like it's in the fossil record also. There's also the fact that like the the bikini uh, yeah. Oh yeah, bikini. It's named after yeah. the test, and they, there's like a simultaneous sort of release, and so Barbie kind of um, uh, advertised the bikini, and but she's the bombshell, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, and that's what. That's how. They... Okay, here's a uh, here's here's a tie-in to um uh, to this book, right? With the uh, with the epilogue, right? With the guy. <laughs> making holes across the desert right? yeah which yes. is like enigmatic in one, well in one interpretation i think this makes a lot of sense is that it's putting up fences of barbed wire right and and those fences of barbed wire are what ultimately sealed off the original wild west right so you have barbed wire barbie right <laughs> and then and then, yeah. and then it goes on from there you know, like it, 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 and then and then warfare, like it, it, the judge's critique of warfare, right? That there's no real warriors anymore, right? And if it's just if it if it's just all push button atomic war, um, that would that would apply, you know? It's like you know, the so, school at Los Alamos that they took over to create that space to work on the bomb was a, a boys' school for troubled boys, and I think uh, Burroughs went there. Yeah, I think that. Oh, weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, and McCarthy, I mean, he, he's part of, he was in Los Alamos, too, I, I somehow. Really. It's, it's, the area is kind of close in that area, like, let's, let's look at Los Alamos. Um, I want to say it's it's not far from Mexico and Texas. But like they are ranging big distances on so like that's what the other thing like Moby Dick was like you know when they're they're on board and they're just moving through their days. You know like it's it's kind of a drudgery. Well the the same thing with uh, Paul Bowles in the Sheltering Sky. Like we talked about that when we read that book about the uh, the similarity between the sea and the desert. Right? Yeah, exactly. they kind of represent the same thing in a way. I love the scene where they're him and I think it's him and Toadviner clambering up the mountain at, at night or whatever, and they at some point they get to the top. They're crazed and thirsty, and they get to the top and they look out and they see like this brilliant lake. And a sky, and it's just like water, and they're just like kind of in in awe, and they sit down and fall asleep, and then they wake up and it's gone. It's just and the, and the city apparently. too, like they they see the city. I yes. think that was uh, Spruill, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, they 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 see a mirage and and forest, and then the city, which kind of it reminded me of uh, like the Fairy Queen with Spencer, you know, where they um. They see the 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 city of God basically as a kind of mirage up in the up in the top of the hills, you know. 
that he yeah. doesn't he's not able to get to yet the the red cross knight um um Oh, yeah, he said, they crested the mountain at sunset and they could see for miles. An immense lake lay below them with the distant blue mountains standing in the windless span of water in the shape of a soaring hawk and trees that shimmered in the heat and a distant city very white against the blue and shaded hills. They sat and watched. They saw the sun drop under the jagged rim of the earth to the west and they saw it flare behind the mountains and they saw the face of the lake darken and the shape of the city dissolve upon it. They slept among the rocks face up like dead men and in the morning when they rose there was no city and no trees and no lake only a barren dusty plain that's more like old testament like and did and they did and did this and did this i'm <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's a vision of the the new jerusalem right like a right city on the hill but well, they both the... saw it they both they, they both, both fight it. about like it was there. Well, it was there it, last night. See, all the way through the book. Uh, also, it, what happened it, to the lake? I couldn't tell you. We both saw it. People see what they want to see. And how come I ain't seeing it now? I sure as hell want to. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like all the uh, all the way through the book, it talks about um, travelers being pilgrims, right? Like religious pilgrims, and. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure how literal that is. Like, it, it, I, don't, I don't know if we ever meet anybody who's explicitly really a religious pilgrim, you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're always described as that, you know, like it, just these, all these itinerant travelers or whatever, right? Like a going out, going out to the gold brush in California, right? Yeah, which is, yeah. So, so we, you know, we talked about wiping out the buffalo, but the other thing we're wiping out is all these native populations. Mm-hmm. So the fascinating thing to me is how around that time, you know, like after the Civil War and we're like really clamping down, um, you know, when the Indian Wars in the 70s start up kind of thing, uh like the different religions that begin arising and the the holy like the messiahs and prophets that start popping up mm-hmm. and so like uh there is the ghost dance and then there's there's one that i'm really curious about in the northwest where there was like this prophet and he believed you know like so the white people are coming and they're saying we want you to eat cow not buffalo and we want you to live in a house we don't want you to range around and you know you need to be civilized and you have to worship our god um like his whole thing was that if we just if we behave like we're supposed to you know like we've always behaved for generations and we we drum and we dance then a new world will be reborn on top of the old world and the new world will be yeah, the, the new world will be the old world. Like they'll, hmm. you know, all the white people will go away, and it'll be a new Jerusalem in America for the the natives. Hmm. And so it's just like I'm I'm thinking, if I was going to start a religion, <laughs> well, well, there's a, well, you know, rainbow gatherings in the states, like well, all over the yeah, world, yeah, yeah, the primarily yeah, in the states, and and the. Uh, it's like a, a Hopi um, prophecy, I, I guess, at the 
that they talk about a lot about uh, in in the in the future. It's it'll be like you said it'll come back, but it, in this case it'll be the the children of the rainbow. All these different tribes will come together, different skin colors, different races. They'll all come together and and become basically native, right? And then the sign for that will be the white buffalo, right? The uh, sign that this is going to happen, or the white buffalo woman. Um, so people are always looking for the sign of the white buffalo, right? And and then and then the children of the rainbow, right? Which which are already there. Um, but, uh, Somewhere over the rainbow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it also makes me think about, like, if if I'm sure there is depth to Burning Man, but like, what value it has, and is it something that you can like, you know what I mean? Like, is there? Is it grounded? Do you nourish your soul there? And you like once a year is enough? Like there's some kind of uh, community and coming together. Yeah, I, or, like I remember. I remember going to uh, rainbow gatherings um, in the 1990s, and even at that time, people were calling Burning Man like like a false rainbow gathering, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's a false ritual. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A bunch of tech bros in the mud. So I was never interested in going even at that time, which it probably would have been very cool at that time. But uh, um, but even it, it still had that, that kind of vibe or reputation then. I, I think David used to go a lot. I don't know that he's yeah. gone... For yeah, a while. He had a I think he gave a pretty impassioned defense of it. Just recently? Their show. Um yeah, when it was all in the news and everybody was kinda making fun of it. Um but I've never been, so I can't really say. Yeah. I'm I'm very curious. I think his point was really just like it is what you make of it and um like if you're going and there's mud that's just part of it lest you just accept it and you deal with it and it did definitely get like a really bad like a run in the media but if you really dig into it it wasn't a big deal everybody had a good time um so i mean there's 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 a it costs to get in even right like there's a the, it's probably it's expensive. Does at this point. It's yeah it's expensive it is. to even join it you know well, yeah I don't think you can just go. It's not like you can buy a ticket. I think you have to be part of some kind of organization to like camp with them. Mm-hmm. Is my understanding? I don't know. And Michael Allen, who we've had on the show a bunch, would be able to explain that. I don't know if he's gone. I mean, I think it is expensive, and maybe it's not something that you do every year. Or I'm so I I think I'm in a space where I'm thinking about like community and like modes of ritual and like belief and how you can generate hope and like what you know what that looks like. Well, yeah, if we say that um, ritual does involve bloodletting, like the Burning Man <laughs> itself, the Burning Man itself means like the Wicker Man, right? Right. Sacrificed, right? But um, is that false because it's just a, it's a false man? Like you're not really 
yeah, it's not, not really a sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice, and it's not um, maybe become like maybe this year it actually did become a real but, ritual because there was a sacrifice. There was a death, <laughs> but if you have seventy thousand people for a week. I yeah. would guess the odds are high that someone would die. Well, not yeah, not just that there was a kind of death, like there were deaths at Woodstock or whatever, but that it become a it became a disaster, you know. Um, like I, I, maybe that's the equivalent of a bloodletting. Is yeah. something becomes a disaster. I, there's definitely a lot of bloodletting other places, like in Hawaii or yeah. Well, this Libya, it, at the Libya. same time, right? Like, yeah, Libya, Morocco, and, yeah. yeah. The great deluge. We're coming up on September 23rd, so get ready. And, What's that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, every year you'll find oh, people like just hyping up September 23rd because for some reason. Um, my theory being it's because it's September, which is the seventh. Technically, you know, it means seven. On the oh, seven. So seven, it's seven. Seventy-three, which uh, is serious, right? Serious, mm. yeah. There's one mention of serious in the in the uh, book, which is I interesting. Just yeah, they. I just um, noticed that. That's when they finally, like, the priest and um, the kid get rescued by this group of friendly natives, and so it's kind of a turning point because it was. And it says it was if if the Nat- if the Indians hadn't been there, they would have died. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, so there's there's kindnesses in this too, you know. Like there's mindless violence, but there's also like little kindnesses. Yeah. <laughs> like the way Suppose. he treated his mule, I thought was really humane. Mm. Like I had a sense of this mule and their relationship. Like <laughs> when the guy guy says, uh, "I'd never shoot a wolf." <laughs> <laughs> like they've just gotten done just like raping and pillaging. Be like, oh, I wouldn't shoot a wolf. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they have weird kind of moral stances. Yeah. Um. Uh, no, with serious. This is, I. I don't know. You guys maybe could confirm this, or it, this might be a crazy idea. But uh, um, I was listening to somebody, and and they said that uh, like there's a there's a point in the book where the kid kind of vanishes from the narrative. It, whole chapters go by and you, you don't hear about the kid much at all or if anything you know it's almost mm-hmm. like he disappears and and somebody said it's around 70 pages yeah and so then i thought like is the kid himself serious which disappears from the sky in the north for about 70 days mm-hmm. according to like egyptian mythology like uh, so uh, um but i i don't know if that means much or 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 what you know um like obviously when he was born um with the leonids sirius and that would be in november sirius would be prominent in the sky then as well you know but but yeah i i don't know like obviously mm-hmm. there there are dogs in the in the story um mm-hmm. and then sirius finally pops up at the end but i'm i don't know where to take that yeah, I don't either. Um, Just leave it, leave it out there. Serious is uh, set, right? It's, yeah. 
Or, uh, or Horus, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, no, uh, it said, yeah. It, uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Isis. I was going to say that um, the kid, that through the kid, and there's there's a Charlie Chaplin movie called The Kid. Yeah. Um, it, in his latest book, the there's a big part for a character named The Kid. Someone was trying to say that he put all of his books into his, his last book. Hmm. Um, where did I read? Maybe, which one is his 11th book? It could be The Passenger is his 11th book. <clears throat> which is, they, they noted that as the master number or something. Yeah, the passenger. Crow, okay. Crowley talks about eleven as the master number two. Oh yeah, it's the number of magic. Right. Um, but yeah, anyway, so the, one of the main characters in the passenger is the kid, also. But this is a vaudevillian kid that he's called the thalidomide kid because he was, you know, like uh, he has birth defects. He has he essentially he has flippers, and he kind of. Uh, paces back and forth like a penguin, <laughs> and he's he's a he's a mental hallucination that one of the main characters. It's like one of their playmates, basically. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna have to well, go pretty soon, just to let you know. Um. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about the uh the landscape a bit you know and how how it's basically like a uh, it's it's a kind of character in itself it might be even the biggest character in the in the novel um, yeah. they just constant descriptions of this kind of hellish landscape like beautiful descriptions of this hellish landscape um and then uh how similar that is um to tolkien i i thought you know you can read Lord of the Rings, and it's just page after page yeah. of descriptions of places in Middle Earth. Right, Middle Earth ends up being the the main character in that book too. Um, mm -hmm. So, and yeah. and then uh, and then that ties that ties back to Jacob Bema. You know, um, he has he has this book called the the signature of all things. Is a, is a part, it says, like, uh, the whole outward visible world with all its being is a signature, a figure of the inward spiritual world. Whatever is in, internally and however its operation is, so likewise it has its character externally. Like as the spirit of each creature sets forth and manifests the eternal form of its birth by its body, so does the eternal being also. Um, and... That's that's what I got from this this uh, this book too. Is that it's it's talking about like this when it when he's describing the landscape, it's like he's talking about the signature of something even greater, like more mm -hmm. more spiritual, like the uh, the other world, right? Um, yeah. And, well, with Mason and Dixon, we were talking about how like there was this dreaming into existence of a new land like the promised land paradise 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. But this yeah, would right be from, the nightmare. Right from, right from the start. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's good. It, right from the start, this idea of America as the promised land, which would be the uh, that would be the morning redness, and now this is the the, the evening redness. Right? And this is mostly takes place in Mexico, um, as well. Mm. Um, part of the you know the Mexican Indian War or. It's so it's sort of like, I mean, Mexico is often used as a metaphor for like death and, and McCarthy's, because he did the counselor. There's a film, um, Ridley Scott directed it, Cormac McCarthy's script, and it's very much of the same vein of of like, kind of nihilism, <laughs> um, set at the border, hmm. and. Uh, America kind of descends. Mexico's kind of America's nightside or the United yeah. States. Yeah, it's 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 um it's no longer uh I mean it's not yet settled, right? Right. Um so it's kind of like a uh, an empty canvas in a way that you can like somebody like the judge can come and then and then establish his own order, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess you could call him. Yeah, I mean, he's like, like I say, he's a mix of Ahab and the the whale, but he's also Ishmael because he kind of represents modernism and uh, that that desire to impose order and uh, structure uh, he, on nature. Yeah. He's he's also clearly uh, Kurtz, like Colonel Kurtz. Yeah, from, from both Apocalypse Now, it seems like you know, Apocalypse yeah. Now yeah. came out when uh, seventy nine. Yeah, seventy nine. So it's like a um, yeah. You get the you get the feeling that McCarthy has watched and loves Apocalypse Now. Like I, I haven't seen any reference to that, but uh, that's true. Yeah, especially like like Marlon Brando as as Colonel Kurtz. It's almost yeah. It oh, seems yeah. like the judge, this big bald naked guy. Yep. Um, clearly influenced, I'd say. Oh, oh yeah, and and then even right at the very end, what he's talking about. Um, oh, bears that do, uh, bears that dance, bears that don't. <laughs> but uh, uh, right at the end, it's talking. Uh, um, no, not quite this. So I didn't get this. Uh, even a dumb animal can dance. Yeah, even a dumb animal can dance. That's yeah, that's the kid kind of. Uh, oh yeah, right, right before that it says, um, "You speak, you ain't nothing. You speak truer than you know." But I will tell you, only that man who has offered himself up entire to the blood of war, who has been to the floor of the pit and seen horror in the round and learned at last that it speaks to his inmost heart. Only that man can dance. So Kurtz is the one who has seen horror, right? Horror, horror. Yeah, Yeah. totally. So so Kurtz is the true dancer. Like, it's just, yeah, that's the thing. Like, it sort of inverts all these different ideas. 
about literature and about film that we've had, like like Kurtz then becomes this the star child. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. I'm gonna have to get going. I'm running out of steam, guys. Okay. Um, do you have any suggestions for a fall book? Um, the only one that I don't. Uh, I was thinking about uh, David Foster Wallace's Oblivion. You guys read that? No. Are those that's short stories, right? It is. Just uh, but it's one of my. It's probably my favorite book of his. Um, it's a really good one. That's just that was just something that I had in my mind. Doesn't have to be the one. Have you ever read the Farina? The been down so long. Looks up like up to me. Yeah, Zanor and I both did. Oh. Yep. Uh, Way to go, guys. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's a good one. Um, yeah, we still haven't read uh, Warlock, but that's a possibility, too. Yeah. Sure. That would be go. probably a more traditional Western. Except it, it yeah, it inspired Pynchon, which is... Right. Uh, must be something strange about it. Um, I thought Toadvine, like the character Toadvine, is a kind of Pynchon-esque name, right? I Very think handy. he's also... I, I could not find the source, but I feel like... He is also historically accurate. Like the name. Oh, to, really? Okay. Yeah. Let me let me put it into the search of uh, of. Uh, but Chamberlain's I could. Book. Yeah. See if see if he's. I think there's there. something close to Toadvine, but I don't know where he, where I I saw or heard that. Oh, he's not in this book. He's not in Chamberlain's book. So he's. But no, I just thought he sounds very much like. Uh, uh, like a, it sounds like a pension name it, to the point where when he was introduced, I was thinking I, I had this it, just reading Mason and Dixon. I had the the idea that this was this book was going to be kind of funny, like uh, <laughs> Mason and Dixon. I never read any McCarthy before, so I went. Well, you started with this magnum opus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, apparently. Um, Sutri is a, is probably his funniest. Uh. There was some humor in the passenger. I liked. There was one character that felt ni- nice, nineteen eighties type guy in New Orleans. Um, I was also um, thinking about Ursula Le Guin. I've never read. Have you guys read it in, her before? Yeah. 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 I, I mean, uh, if we wanted to be, uh, I don't know if we call it logical or whatever, but uh, um, we could go for the, the white whale. Well, so it's <laughs> funny because I was advocating for the white whale last time. Yeah. And then yeah, we ended up basically doing the Did white I, whale. I don't know if I, because I found this great copy of it, um, which I can't remember, the in thrifting. So I have this great copy ready to read of it. Um, I mean, that would, that would uh, it would make sense to go there. I would be I would be game for Moby Dick if that's where we wanted to go. Oh man, you had to pick the longest the longest one. 
what, what, it's, uh, let me see. My copy has how many pages? I've read it before, but it's and it's such yeah, a great book. It's easier to read than this in a certain way. Yeah. Even though the language is a bit, uh, it's it's so older form of language, but it's not as, uh, I don't know, it's not as violent. I think the dialogue would be extreme. easier to follow probably too, right? Mine has 469 pages. It's not oh, bad. Oh, there's an epilogue right at the end of it. I didn't even, I, and it, and, Wow. Okay. And uh, there's a there's a short epilogue also in italics, and there's an epigraph, a quote by Job at the beginning of it. There's a weird like, um, like almost infinite Jestian uh, prologue too, with like a, some librarian that's discussing. I can't even know what it is. Where is all those... that supposed to be situated in the actual course of the book? I that's don't know. The prologue? It's it's the right. Is it a prologue where he goes on about the various will? No, it's almost like a blog post. Well, yeah, there is a a collection of all these quotes about about the whale, but then there's something I can't. I don't have it next to me, but like in the very beginning, there's a. It's almost like a framing device. Starts. Mine starts with the etymology. Maybe oh. my copy is the only... The wheel. And then there's extracts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Extracts supplied by a sub-sub-librarian. Exactly. Right. right. He's the one that's co- that's compiled all these these quotes. And then there's another uh, quote by Job. Yeah. But then... So the extracts... I've experienced at the end also... Um, it's the epilogue at the end. Oh, then there's explanatory notes at the end. Oh, yeah. It's very explanatory. It didn't. I didn't realize there was an epilogue like this. It's it's exactly it's it's the same length as in uh, Blood Meridian. It's also written in italics, and it's it starts out with Job, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And then the first Job quote at the beginning, Leviathan maketh a path to shine after him. One would think the deep to be hoary. <laughs> yeah. Well, is that the one we want to do then? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's funny, I have a whole list of all these kind of buzzy books. Like... Uh, so one of the thoughts I was thinking is, do we ever do Proust? <laughs> like the whole thing? The whole six, thing. All nine volumes? Uh, six. But six, I have, yeah. I've got them here. I haven't read them yet. I mean, we would start with one and then see what if we were gluttons beyond the first one. Like just do a whole year of, uh, a year and a half of Proust? <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> Reach for the stars. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. <laughs> Just trying yeah. to kill me. That would be that would be interesting. I don't know. Like, it seems like the earlier ones are more uh, people. I don't know if it, do people read all six volumes of that. I think so. Okay, but then so, Knausgaard. You know, he was really popular. <laughs> 
Um, he wrote six volumes of My Struggle. Yeah. I found it. I who, just got who, his, that book, too. From who the did? So now Scarred. Oh, no, I don't know. I don't know. Recent was, author. He's from Norway. And so it's... it's uh, But he's got a new book out that's interesting that I'm curious about. But like he became famous for this six-volume series called My Struggle. Mm, mein Kampf. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really reappropriated uh, that one. There's also this uh, Norwegian named Fossey who wrote a seven volume called it's called Septology that was really buzzy a couple years ago. This book called Solenoid. Mm. Um, it's giant. It's Romanian. Um, also kind of popular in the bookish circles right now. And then I'm always curious about that one we talked about, Schattenfro, which is still not translated into English. So, mm-hmm. but... Uh, Read a nice stoner or uh, something breezy. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like... Uh, I like the idea of uh, I was I was I have like I was looking for uh, nourishment, and so I was thinking maybe some uh, romantic work. Like I'm I'm thinking the the romantics are where I'm gonna be able to find some nourishment. But I like the idea of Moby Dick. Well, he's he's around the same period, right? Like he's kind of. Uh... Transcendentalist, well, so, kind of a response to the English Romantics. Um, yeah. Well, the other curiosity is I think Moby Dick is kind of taking place about the same time as Blood Meridian. Uh, I think I might have that wrong. Edgar Allan Poe, like that's that's his time too. Right? Oh wait, he. Okay, so Melville began writing Moby Dick in nineteen or eighteen fifty and finished it eighteen months later. It's really amazing. Hmm. Eighteen months, well. Wow. Yeah. It was published in eighteen fifty one. So this is. It's. He's creating it around the time of Blood Meridian. Yeah, yeah. It it yeah it would have come out when right after the kid is in California. But it's 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 based on his experience as a sailor from eighteen forty one to forty four, including on whalers. Of course the kid is illiterate. We didn't even talk about that, that the kid is carrying a Bible and he's illiterate. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's interesting because that's what the judge accuses that preacher of. What does he accuse? You know, the preacher at the very beginning. Not Oh, yeah, of being illiterate, yeah. Uh, yeah. Reverend Green. Reverend yeah. Green, I'm pretty sure he wasn't illiterate. I mean, he he seemed really taken aback. Right. All right. Well, okay. 
could do Zettel's Dream by Arno Arno Schmidt. That's a I kind think, of a fuzzy one too. It I think David might have recommended that a long time ago. Uh it can't be that long ago. I guess when was it? Put a, now it might have been something. It might have been you that was Yeah, uh, maybe talked about that before, but uh uh oh well I guess it it came out in 1970 actually in Germ in in uh, in Germany but it's uh just recently there was an English yeah well not actually not that recent 2016 but it's uh 1496 pages and weighs <laughs> over 6 kilograms <laughs> I just I listened to our our Z- Z- Zanoni podcast the other day, or maybe it was today. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that one got under my skin. It's a good one though. Yeah, we've got a we've got a pretty big body of work now. If you'd include all that stuff, I don't, I don't know why we're not famous by now. <laughs> I do. <laughs> no <one> cares. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now that I'm coming back regularly, maybe we'll... Yeah, yeah, yes. I think so. <laughs> yeah, definitely. definitely. All the star stuff keeps repeating, which is why we need our resident astrologer to come Me back. Too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll, t- I'll send him a message. I think uh, there's got to be some good astrology in Moby Dick. Oh, yeah, it has to be. And there's enough Moby oh, Dick Satis the whale, right? So... It's already there. Oh, there was there a uh, Saint the, Elmo's the, the fire violence. scene in? I feel like there was in Blood Meridian. There was a Saint Elmo's fire scene. Oh yeah, where the yeah blue. I forget where it is, but yeah, everything becomes blue, blue flame, and everything. Yeah, yeah. Because that's definitely a Moby Dick, also. Mm. Oh, and then right, right at the beginning, a Moby, Moby Dick is the famous Father Mapple scene. And here's the interesting curiosity is that in the in the earlier version of Moby Dick, the movie was like Gregory Peck as a- yeah. Ahab. And yep. then later, Gregory, and I think it was Orson Welles that played Father Mapple in that version. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then when I think it was uh, Patrick Stewart was Ahab, Gregory Peck played the Father Mapple character. Oh, wow. But so Father Mapple is like this first moment in Moby Dick where Ishmael goes to church and listens to Father Mapple talk about, you know, Jonah. uh, Shipmate. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Moby Dick might be my favorite book. Um, Yeah, it's one of my favorites, too. But there's the preacher scene, except in this, in, you know, in Blood Meridian, the judge says the preacher's fucking kids <laughs> <laughs> so like there's the same moments happen yeah it's just fascinating yeah we have to do Moby Dick I think I think we did the order correct here <laughs> <laughs> alright well I got my copy and yeah, alright I'm, I'm guessing that's going to take us a while so maybe what are, uh, we, what are we in the fall so end of December uh, December twenty first is our. That's our the cutoff date. date. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
So maybe uh, December 16th, 17th, or... Philip K. Dick's birthday. Who would be interesting? Dick. PKD. Which which day? Uh, December 16th. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just I just noticed that Cormac McCarthy died on uh, Yates' birthday, June 13th. Oh. That's also the day that's in the Blood Meridian, the epigraph, in the... Uh, Huh. The third one, which is from the Yuma Daily Sun, is June 13th, 1982. Oh, weird. Huh. That means that, so, 22, 41 years? He died 41 years after that? Oh, wow. I remember seeing it in the epic. I didn't put those two together. Well, I just found out now that Cor- Cormac McCarthy was uh, died on, the th- on June 13th. That's so bizarre. That is interesting. I wonder if anybody's pointed that out. It's also the day that uh, Lolita premiered in 1962. So. Mm. Well, and I it's... feel like didn't the Enola Gay have like a secret code name that was like N82 or something? Where did I see that stupid factoid? Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, and it's it's bizarre because that that quote. From the Yuma Daily Sun. It's from the Yuma Daily Sun with the Yuma Crossing. And it's talking about uh, UC Berkeley colleague Tim D. White. Captain White <laughs> also yeah. said that a re-examination of a 300,000-year-old fossil skull found in the same region earlier showed evidence of having been scalped. So most people point out this this quote is showing that human scalping has been going on forever. Like it's sort of violence... Right. It's happened like that forever. Um, yeah, that's that's really bizarre. Oh, there's also the Shining's release date, uh, wide release date in 1980. Your ideas are terrifying and your hearts are faint. Your acts of pity and cruelty are absurd committed with no calm as if they were irresistible finally you fear blood more and more blood and time hmm. is that the judge that's uh that's paul valerie at the beginning oh right, right, right. sounds like the judge yeah <laughs> i had a, i had a kind of voice for the judge it was like your ideas are terrifying and your hearts are faint. <laughs> That's how I kind of imagine him talking. But in a movie, it, it, you'd have to be really careful that you don't, like, it would be really easy to cartoonize these things. And a lot of fan art does that, like, like cartoonize the gang. And I think you would lose something. Yeah, so, yeah. I've heard somebody talking about how they thought Woody Harrelson would be the best judge, <laughs> but I don't know. He's he's a bit he's too, too comic small. though. He's oh, he's too small. For, yeah, they'd have to they'd have to get the camera angle right or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, but I was also, thinking like uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, um, we, I'm not sure. He would have. He's Private Pile in Full Metal Jacket. Um, oh, okay. And then, like he did King, he was Kingpin in the new Daredevil series. He's, he's very, I mean, he's of that type. He's bigger, he's bald, he's, he could do it. 
It might be too old at this point. I don't know. Like Brando might have been good. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, totally. Yeah. To get so, a holog- hologram of Brando. And then yeah. Did you guys ever read? How much Stephen King did you read? I don't think you've read any Nora, right? Yeah, that's right. I should. Uh, that's a whole. No, I don't. I don't think. Read a little, but not that much. Well, I definitely like really went in all in on his Gunslinger series. Yeah, the Dark Tower. Yeah, and so I was trying to like figure out like who was influencing who in terms of timing. You know, like when did the Gunslinger come out? There's not a chance that McCarthy was influenced by Stephen King, right? Who who knows? Like he, it's almost like he's he's like Joyce in that way too. Like he's a he's a uh, he's just taking references from anything that he can find, like high and low culture, and, and mixing it yeah. all together, right? Like so. Um, Same with uh, Wallace too. Like he was yeah. a big fan of that. Mockingbirds, well, no, uh, magpies, magpies. Um, but uh, yeah, I also wondered if El Topo was an influence on this. Like Hodorowski, you know, like a the same kind of weird quest as a Western, like hyper violent Western spiritual quest. Yeah. The Gunslinger came out in '78. Wait, it was first published in. I think it was published as a serial over the course of a few years. And then was published as a book in 82. It's a Western. And so I think, but like Stephen King is, he's honoring the tradition of the Western, you know, probably more like Louis L'Amour, where it's the romanticized idea about, you know, the gunslinger is the hero and he's a moral character. Sure. Well, the Deadwood, yes. the TV show Deadwood, is another one that like I definitely took influence from this book, but into an aim of like redefining the West, the Western, and the tropes and stuff, which is all Hollywood construction. So yeah, what what is what is an anti-Western then? What 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 gets described as being an anti-Western? Yeah, it's usually going to be like like he was saying, like uh, character. Not the non-black and white characters, like um, much more like a like a John like the Searchers kind of like morally complex heroes mm. rather than black versus white good good mm. versus bad cowboys and Indians. It's like more of a rich, which is funny that it's an anti-Western to just be like depicting things as they are rather than yeah yeah you know, <laughs> construction. But yeah, so. Um, and just like the reality of the life is how hard it was and mm-hmm. how defined by violence and outward expansion it was. And the searchers is all based on real stuff, which is so fascinating. Yeah. So is Deadwood. Um, real people anyway, real characters. Yeah, both of these books that we've read, like uh, Mason and Dixon and then this one, it just, 
it just highlights how bizarre every point of history is, you know, that like we consider our own point right now to be very off the tracks too. But, but this, it's always been like that, you know, it's always, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. again, the apocalypse has always been, always been there, you know, it's incredibly unlikely. It always has been. Yeah. All right, guys, I got to run. I got to go. You can keep going. I'm just going to dip out. Uh, so thanks for having me. You bet. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. And we look forward to our December meeting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's great to talk to you. Alex. Yeah, you too. Okay, and you too I think Doug. I'm, yeah. See you later. Take care. I think I'm at that same breaking point. Yeah, it looks like we've uh, we've got to the end of this. Well, until yeah, I think it's all going to come up again if when we read Melville. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if I'll dip back into Blood Meridian. Yeah, I again, it's another one of those books that that we've done on this book club that I read um, just by myself that I would love to hear the audio for you know because it's just yeah it's such such amazing prose this one the guy who does an audio version of this one is the same guy who did Underworld uh-huh. and I thought it it's a good audio version like it if if somehow the the character or the uh, the voice actor somehow intrudes, like if you notice them, mm-hmm. then it's problematic. But if if they just if it it somehow they're able to translate the work into the other medium of just you know voice, then yeah. it's amazing. And I I felt like he did that for Underworld, and I I feel like he did this for Blood Meridian too, which. You know, it's totally different. Like, yeah, that's a that's a good rule of thumb, right? Like, if it's if it's like uh, if it if it if it just ends up being like air or something, you don't even notice them right. reading after a while. Um, yeah, that's that's a good way to think about audiobooks. Yeah, yeah, it's it, yeah, that's a good one to find and listen to. Now there's lots of different Moby Dick ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I was gonna say. So it's interesting because um, there was somebody that there was a guy who read a lot of westerns, you know, like in the '90s, or, um, and he was a famous audiobook guy. But I really don't like his reading, <laughs> mm. and so he he's. He reads um, all the pretty horses, but he also did a lot of the gunslinger books too. Mm. And I think he did a lot of westerns. But um, so if you were to listen to all the pretty horses, then you would maybe like the guy or maybe not. Mm. But mm. I, f- I feel like he's doing a disservice to Cormac McCarthy's beautiful prose with his kind of. I probably do the same thing where like reading text and making it flow and sound beautiful. is not easy. Yeah. Yeah. 
And yeah. if you overemphasize certain words, it's like you're not – you need to just read what the the writer wrote. Like you don't want to bring your own ideas to it. Yeah, and the, yeah, and the problem is you don't get too many hints of how it's supposed to be read with the with the sparse punctuation. Yeah, we talked yeah. about that with Shakespeare. Like how yeah. how do you emphasize certain things? Yeah, that's right. You see different um, depictions of Hamlet, and and the meaning changes um, depending on how they 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 portray the characters, right? Like they, how how they read it ultimately, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, that okay. was a good one. Yeah, yeah. thanks. That was, I'm really pleased. I, I wasn't into it at the beginning of the summer, like I said, and I did White Noise, and that would have been a great summer book, too. Really an amazing book. Um, like, there was the Netflix movie about it, and that was kind yep. of fun. But the book is just so good. Like, really good. <laughs> That's what I've always heard. Like, um, is it is it way better than Underworld? It's different than Underworld. You can tell that it's yeah. the same writer, but just barely. I I wasn't um so impressed with Underworld in in the same way as all these other books that we've read. Really, like, that's so like, interesting. Like this one and Recognitions in the Tunnel and all 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 of these ones like. Uh, American American fiction, like yeah, Underworld is the one that didn't. Uh, it didn't um, land. Yeah, not as much as these other ones. Like, no, in my mind, it's it's on the same. I I would I would probably say that Underworld is superior to White Noise, but White Noise is very good. Oh really? You would say Underworld is superior to White Noise? Now we're okay. saying Underworld, not. The overstory, right? Yeah, you know, Underworld, the <laughs> the, uh, the, the little book, yeah. Because yeah. I have a, a uh, the overstory is is the one where it's like I feel like we were duped a little bit, where it's it's good and I love the descriptions about the trees and you know like this relationship we formed with the idea of trees and stuff, mm -hmm. but there was also kind of like like emotional manipulation. Yeah, it was a bit didactic, as uh, Joyce would say, or whatever, right? Like, uh, yeah. 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 And so we were really involved with it, but it's almost like we were kind of uh, tricked into doing so. We weren't tricked, but... Yeah, that that one, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of dubious if it will be called literature, you know? Well, and I've been grappling with the idea of like your Stephen King. Is he he wrote so much? Is he on right. par with an Edgar Allan Poe or a Dickens, or did he just write lots of books? And you know, he'll be kind of a footnote for having you know a lot of these different blockbusters, but not necessarily. Yeah, he's a good one to think about because, and especially to compare him with Poe, right? Because uh, Poe even is. In in among the Anglo-American critics, he's like he's like classed as kind of a second-rate poet almost, you know. But then, uh, but then in the French tradition, he's like uh, he's high 
romanticism, <laughs> right? Like, and he inspired so many, like the the whole symbolist movement in France and stuff. Like, uh, um, so yeah, and then to the point where now it's it's gone back, and people are trying to uh, reassess Poe. You know, like, um, so so maybe yeah, Stephen King will get to that point. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think so, but <laughs> like maybe in translation somewhere, he's like high literature. Well, because I was thinking about like this book was reminding me of The Shining, and so it's like, do I, do I like take a little diversion and you know dip back into The Shining? Mm-hmm. And I started into it, and it's like, no, I don't think so. I think I've done The Shining. <laughs> I think I've done The Shining as much as I need to do The Shining. And if I want to get the same themes with better prose, I can find it in Blood Meridian. Mm, yeah, yeah. Because it's a very similar kind of. You know, the blood, the mm-hmm. blood that created the, this country. Okay, well then I'll let you yep. get back to the cheese wheels of time. Yep. Okay. <laughs> 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 All right, have a great night. Yeah, you too. See Yeah.